Despite international condemnation, the death penalty is legal and currently being exercised in nearly 40 countries. One of them is Singapore. And after a two-year halt, the island country has resumed capital punishment. Since last year, 55 people have been sentenced to the death penalty. 11 have already been executed. Kristen Han is a journalist and anti-death penalty campaigner and she joins us this morning. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Tell me about some of these people facing execution. What have they been charged with? Most of the people who have been sentenced to death in Singapore have been charged with drug trafficking. So, um, for example, with heroin, if you're convicted of uh, trafficking more than 15 grams of heroin, then the penalty is mandatory death. So over 50 people on death row at the moment uh, have been sentenced to death for drug trafficking offences. What sort of legal access do these prisoners have? Do they get the chance to defend themselves? Is there a sort of robust and fair system? So in Singapore, when you're arrested and interrogated by the police, you don't have access to legal counsel. So you give all your statements to the police without lawyers present and without legal advice. You do get a lawyer at trial and appeal. Uh, if you if you can't afford a lawyer, they will appoint one for you. But that's, that's about it. So after that appeal, um, you're not considered to need a lawyer. So if you have prisoners who want to file uh, further appeals or reopen the case, it's very difficult for them. 11 of the 55 people facing the death penalty have already been executed, but I understand court proceedings are still underway for for some cases. Will executions resume this year? So we have currently uh, a couple of cases that are still going through the courts, which I think is why they've um, stopped, put a pause on executions for now. But, you know, these cases might be dealt with by, you know, the, the end of the or at least the middle of the year, if not the end of the year. So we might see executions resume again. And if these cases do get dismissed, then the men who are involved in the cases are at very high risk of execution. Nearby Malaysia is removing death sentences for drug trafficking and multiple other offences as well. Thailand is liberalising the use of cannabis. Why is the death penalty still Singaporean policy? So Singapore sees very much that um, it's part of this bigger system of maintaining control and order. So it's very framed very much as an order and safety issue. Uh, We're very proud of having this death penalty to show that we are tough on crime and there's zero tolerance. So it's, it's really part of that ideology of how Singapore runs and there's this whole myth that it makes us better. So it's, it's very difficult to get politicians and also Singaporeans to kind of unpack that myth. That's really interesting. Uh, so you're saying, I'm, I'm getting from that, that it has actually popular support. Yes. Yeah, so uh, generally, a lot of Singaporeans would say that they support the death penalty, but we found that if you give them more information and more details about how it actually works, then you find that the support is not as firm as the government would claim it to be. No, that's interesting. Last, year's, last year, Singapore's law and home affairs minister told uh, the Asian newspaper here that should the European Union tell us there is a better solution, we will listen. Has there been any sort of consultation around the death penalty? No, and lots of people have been saying that there are better solutions and they've not been listening. So, you know, I don't think Singapore is actually interested in engaging no matter what they say. Obviously, international pressure does play a role, though, with countries uh, like Singapore. Is there much international pressure on Singapore? So there, there was some when there were, you know, high profile cases of execution, but I don't think the pressure is 
sustained enough. So, you know, in, in a way they can just wait for it to blow over and then everyone moves on and it becomes business as usual. So the international pressure does have an effect, but it's not sustained enough. And, you know, we had 11 executions last year, but there's only so much attention paid to certain executions. There were other cases that were much more difficult to raise. So it, it is a challenge for us. The drug kingpins really get caught up in these laws. More often than not, it's low-level drug traffickers. How effective is this policy in deterring the entry of drugs in Singapore? So there's no evidence to show that it actually is an effective deterrence and the, or that it's more effective than any other sort of measure. So we, we really are executing people just based on a belief and that belief is not supported by, by evidence. Last year, you posted on Facebook that lawyers in Singapore no longer appear on late-stage capital defence cases due to fear of being fined. What evidence do you have that that's happening? It's quite alarming. That means essentially, you know, there's sort of a fear of repercussions. So we've been hearing from the families of death row prisoners that they really have a lot of trouble uh, finding lawyers, reaching out to lawyers, getting lawyers to even listen to, to their case, especially when it's a late-stage case. In August last year, there were 24 prisoners who filed a joint civil suit saying that they could not get lawyers because lawyers were, were afraid of cost orders. So the Court of Appeal uh, dismissed that case and one of the 24 was hanged You know, just hours after. So, but, but, you know, our experience with the families, when we hear what they have to go through, they're all saying that it's very difficult to find lawyers. Does anyone care? <laughs> what happens if they can't find lawyers? So if they can't find lawyers, we've seen an increase of death row prisoners who self-represent, which is extremely difficult because they have to do the research, they have to try to do the reading, uh, all while being in single cells in prison. And, you know, their families have to support them by bringing in research materials and talking points and advice, and they can only visit them once a week. So they have to go in and then tell them. And then if they have questions, it takes a whole week for them to get back with the answers. And so it's a very difficult process for them to, to try to self-represent. Can you explain to me, maybe it's obvious, but it's not to me, why you say, especially late stage, it's harder to get lawyers. Why? So you you are entitled to a lawyer at trial and appeal. And if you lose your appeal, anything after that is considered a late stage. Right. And then... Um, if you've already if you've been issued an execution notice which you get 7 days before your the date of your hanging then that's considered uh, also a late stage and we've seen that you know cases filed after an execution notice is issued tends to get expedited and also there are often accusations that oh they're abusing court process they're just trying to buy time i just want to talk about you for a moment personally why is this such a important issue for you why are you campaigning about this issue so I've been doing this for about 12 years and I think, you know, the more I, I see and the more I learn about the death penalty, I feel like it's such a reflection of who we are as a society. So essentially, the death penalty, the existence of the death penalty says that we as a Singaporean society accept that some people can be discarded and some people can be disposed of. And I don't think that's that's really right. You know, I don't think we should see people as, oh, you know, we don't need to support or help people anymore will just get rid of them and I think that's a very cruel thing and I think I feel like a lot of Singaporeans probably don't have that value but haven't been thinking about this issue as much so a lot of our work is to reach the public and try to get them to to consider it a bit 
more. Mm. You were actually given a conditional caution by the police over this, over your your, um, work in this. And in response, you're currently suing the Singaporean government. How open is the government to critique? Not at all. (laughs) Yeah, they're not... They're not happy about um, criticism and dissent. Uh, it's so part of wanting to bring this matter to court about getting the the warning um, is to show that you know we should be asking these questions and they can't just do whatever they like. And you know when they issue the warning, I get to ask why you're doing this, and I get I should get to contest it rather than just being called to come in. So I was just called to come in. They're like just come into the police station and then. They didn't really explain to me what it was about. And then when I arrived, then they gave me the warning and they didn't really explain like what I did. That was so. So that's the whole thing to kind of demonstrate that Singaporeans do have the right to ask questions of people in power. Singapore is obviously a business hub, uh, but Virgin Group founder Richard Branson has warned that the country's use of the death penalty may instead act as a deterrent. Is there evidence that that's happened? So we've not seen really that much evidence that the use of the death penalty deters business leaders. Uh, I I certainly hope that business leaders are considering and thinking about these issues and talking about it among themselves. But we, you know, outwardly, we've not seen that it's affected investment in Singapore, things like that. But they were very sensitive to what Richard, Richard Branson had said. Well, you, you would think that if it did hit investment, then... Uh, there'd be a rethink, right? Yes. So I think if, you know, it did hit money and the bottom line, then suddenly the death penalty would be up for discussion. Mm. As I mentioned earlier, the death penalty still exists in nearly 40 countries. We've seen multiple executions in Iran since last year. And in Indonesia, a senior police officer has been sentenced to death. Is there more the international community should be doing here? I think there's a lot of push uh, at the UN level, for instance, to get countries to move away from abolition of the death penalty. And we've seen across the board, you know, all these different uses. So the, the Myanmar military, for instance, just uses the death penalty now as a tool of oppression and to, to execute activists and protesters. And so it really is an injustice wherever it exists. And I think the international community can do a lot more to sustain that at level of detention and pressure on countries that still retain the death penalty. Mm, as you know, there's a huge consensus that is very strongly against the death penalty yes. in this country. Um, so I think there'd be a lot of sympathy for the things that you're doing and saying. Thank you so much for Thank joining you. us. Uh, Kristen Han is a journalist and anti-death penalty campaigner and you're listening to ABC RN Breakfast. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.